Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. So I am here with Kyle Capon. He is our nurse practitioner at Stat Wellness, and he has really become passionate about the space of mental health. And so if you guys are listening to this and maybe you're struggling with some of the topics we're going to cover today, make sure to book a 15-minute consult with him. He is like our mental health expert, and he's doing an integrative fellowship right now to even specialize in that more. But what an important topic for 2021 after everything that we've been through as a country. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. Um, it really has come to the forefront. And I think when we, even starting in functional medicine over the past few years, um, really recognizing that patients might be coming in for gut health issues or wondering about their hormones or whatever the case might be. And probably 95% of people are like, oh, yeah. And by the way, I also am kind of sad or anxious or have insomnia or these other things that you kind of tack on the end. And really the functional medicine world has really proved to be such a powerful model to address these things. And so it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome to be able to, um, address things from that, from that concept. So. Well, and even just what you just said, your mind and your body is so connected. So you can't only treat the body and not evaluate someone's mental health. And I really don't think you can just treat the depression or anxiety without evaluating the physical health. And it's, we talk about this a lot as which one is causing which, what are what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's just the arrow goes both ways and it's it's so intertwined there maybe isn't one causing the other? Yeah, I think this is the perfect spectrum to talk about this concept of integrative medicine. I think classically when people think integrative medicine, like, oh, acupuncture, chiropractic, um, holding different vials of weird things to see if they trigger this and that. But really when we think of integrative medicine, it's this concept of your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit, everything truly is integrated and everything is having real-time impact on the other. Um, And so um, when we think about, and this is one of the big things I think that psychiatry in general has done a terrible job of and is getting better, but is, I say, they've taken the brain out of the body and completely this whole concept of the blood brain barrier came out in the sixties and seventies where they thought, oh, there's absolutely nothing in the body that's going to impact the brain. Mm-hmm. And then we came up with medications just to alter the neurotransmitters because if you're sad, it's, or anxious, it's a lack of serotonin or whatever. Uh, and so, but the reality is the research and all the things over the, the past 30, 40 years has proved quite the opposite, that actually the connection from the body to the brain and vice versa is actually very intimate. And of course, we'll talk more about gut health and stuff too, but it's one of the top things in the last 10 to 15 years that the microbiome and the way that our gut bacteria and yeast send signals to our brain 24-7. And so, um, yeah, the arrow is pointing both directions. And we know that people maybe who really struggle with anxiety, man, they end up with IBS, ironically, or vice versa. People with gut issues all of a sudden start feeling really anxious and have issues. And so um, sometimes it is hard to figure out what is the chicken or the egg in that situation. But um, without a doubt, they are 
intimately linked and intertwined. And when we are using the word term mental health, what is what does that really mean? That is a great question. <laughs> um, well, I'll give it the quick. The World Health Organization says that it's a dynamic state of well-being, which an individual realizes their own ability. They can cope with normal stress of life. They can work productively. They're in their community, in their family, and they're really feeling happy and they're able to enjoy uh, what's going on with their life. Uh, and so um, we see that, that people feel generally overall well. They feel like they have plenty of energy to get through the day, communicating and connecting with family, getting good sleep. They feel rested and restored and rejuvenated every day or most days of the week. Uh, and so um, I think that's a really good kind of foundation. And I think a lot of people, sometimes we tend to just kind of duck and go and we can go through weeks and months and even years without even asking ourselves that question, like, how am I doing? How am I really doing? And I think that's so key because one of our favorite quotes here is that health is not just the absence of disease. And that is so important as we think of mental health as well. It's not just because maybe you haven't been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder or a major depressive disorder or bipolar or schizophrenic doesn't mean you're as mentally healthy as you could be. So why tell us like, do you know any statistics around mental health and like why mental illness is such a, uh, an issue that maybe isn't getting addressed appropriately in the United States? Sure. Yeah. So, um, the statistics from, you know, 2019, 2020, uh, I know that, um, uh, about one in five, 19 to 20% of Americans of adults at least are experiencing full-blown mental illness. This is over 50, around 50 million people. So if you're walking down the street, probably one in five people that you see has some sort of diagnostically classified mental health illness. And so it is pretty pervasive. I think it is a lot more common. And the unfortunate part about it is that because it's been so kind of separated from the way that other realms of medicine have been done, it does become kind of stigmatized. And so it's something that is, is gaining a lot. I think even with the recent Olympics and, um, you know, big people like Michael Phelps and Simone Biles, I think even the, uh, awareness is getting even better, but, um, we know that, you know, things like suicide are going through the roof. And even we were talking 2020, what was, you were saying the increased rates of, of issues. Yeah, I was reading a study this morning for another presentation that eight out of a, out, eight out of ten adults uh, identified with a significant level of stress in 2020. I mean, we're talking about 80 percent, and then it broke it down into what are some of the symptoms, and 49 percent noticed behavior changes, and I think it was 17 percent were snapping or yelling, coming home and yelling at their significant other. And so we know stress and lifestyle and things that are so out of our control can really impact our mental health. Uh, so obviously in conventional medicine, there's psychiatrists, there's counselors, there's therapists, there's all these different outlets, which I think it's having a holistic team is so important for your outcomes. But what, you know, at Stat Wellness, our approach is not having you come in and just giving you an antidepressant. And we will, if you need one for sure, while we work on some of the other things, but how can functional medicine help a person that maybe is struggling with mental health? Yeah. Well, I love this concept of, um, I heard Dr. Greenblatt, he's a functional, uh, functional medicine psychiatrist. He uses this term of, of nourish the brain and nurture the mind. And I think classically in, uh, psychiatry or, um, 
I guess more in psychology and counseling. We want to work on our mind, work on our the the emotions that we have, and maybe our childhood trauma and all these kind of things. But um, well, from a physiological standpoint, we talk about what are the things that really impact the brain. How do we actually nourish the brain? I always say that the brain is the it's the most greedy organ in the body. It's the most sensitive tissue that we have. It's got the highest amount of mitochondria, these powerhouses in every cell in the body. So when things start to go awry in the body, the brain is the first tissue to let us know that something's going on. And it's different than you stub your toe. Oh man, that really hurts. You know exactly what happened, what's going on. But when it comes to your brain, you may have symptoms like feeling sad or fatigued or really down or irritable or anxious. And that could reflect something that's going awry in the body. And so, um, so from, yeah, kind of a functional medicine perspective, we really do consider whether there's nutritional deficiencies, whether there are issues in the gut, like we talked about, whether it's like a fungal overgrowth or a yeast issue, or you have poor absorption from a leaky gut and you just can't absorb the proteins and the fats and the minerals and the vitamins that your brain needs to actually, um, work properly. Uh, and then we talk about hormones and the ways that things like we pretty much everyone understands that your thyroid goes crazy, that you might feel if it's low, kind of sad and down. If it's really high hyperthyroid, you might be just wired and freaking out. And so we understand that there's hormones, but also, uh, especially we see a lot of gals here who maybe see a lot of really bad mood swings and mood shifts. And we were looking at your estrogen and progesterone and figuring out what what's going on with your hormones throughout the month that we see big fluctuations. Uh, and not to men, really the adrenals are one of the number one things, especially I think you can speak to this uh, also, but I feel like the past year, I've probably seen more people with adrenal dysfunction um, than maybe in the past. What's your been, what's been your experience with that? Absolutely. I think we've seen as a team, some of the highest pregnenolones, the highest cortisols that I've ever seen in my eight to nine years of checking everybody's adrenal hormones. And the interesting thing is I think as a culture, we've really normalized a lot of the stress. Like it's because we've recognized we're all under a lot of stress. And so we normalize it. And so it's really interesting when you have concrete data to present to a patient that, you know, the stress that you're feeling, like while it's normal to be stressed in this day and age, it's impacting your physical health. Here's how we see your cortisol impacting your blood sugar, impacting your sleep quality, impacting your thyroid. So absolutely. And I think that's a really important point because I don't know how many people have said, well, you know, 2020 wasn't that bad for me, but you know, I did have some things go on. And I think we may not be, have had a ton of family members who are affected by COVID or been, you know, somehow directly impacted by some of the political upheaval or different things like that. But I do feel like there is really a general kind of anxiety in the air, this kind of just overall sense of, of instability and what does the future hold and what's going to happen with my job or my neighbor's job and is, are my parents going to get sick? I think there's just a general level of uncertainty. Uh, and, uh, we all sort of absorb that and feel that and we're seeing it manifest physiologically. I think a lot of even say one of the things from a, a, a functional perspective too, thinking about how our stress and the different, these different issues in the body impact things like autoimmune conditions as well, seeing a lot more flare ups of mm -hmm. things, whether it's the thyroid or lupus or rheumatoid or these different autoimmune issues. And so that's even something that I, I've a number of patients who they're uh, a humongous stressor at work, uh, was a big trigger for their Crohn's, these autoimmune gut issues. And so um, not only 
is it that taking care of your your health, whether it's exercising, good sleep, good eating, uh, all these things is really critical for your brain health. But dealing with the the brain health and the stress and all this stuff has a huge impact on underlying uh, issues as well. So it, again, it goes both ways. So what I think, Kyle, you were teaching me a acronym that you used or learned. Tell us how you found this acronym and what it means, because that's kind of how you think of functional medicine approaches to mental health. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was, again, from Dr. Greenblatt has a great little overview. It's a good kind of succinct thing. It's called the zebras. And this idea, this idea is that um, zebras, uh, I didn't totally recognize this, but no zebra has the same stripes yep. pattern, just kind of like we all have different thumbprints. Uh, but you know a zebra when you see it, uh, but they all have completely different stripes. Uh, and we th- we think about that when it comes to mental health, we all say, oh, I'm anxious or I'm depressed or bipolar or schizophrenic, uh, but that doesn't tell us anything about what the underlying root cause factors. And I think that's one of the biggest things that separates functional medicine maybe from some of the classic ways of approaching mental health is that we're trying to figure out why. So classically, oh, if you're really anxious, maybe you have a serotonin deficiency, let's put you on some Lexapro, Prozac, you name it, maybe some uh, Xanax or Valium. But that still tells us nothing about the underlying root cause of what's going on from a mental health perspective. And so uh, each one of those letters from the zebras stands for some things. So T of uh, the first part, take care of yourself. This is really what I say is our functional foundations. How are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you stressing? Um, How are you moving and exercising? And how are you loving and connecting? These are our functional foundations. These are the things that have the most leverage that if we can really begin to work and optimize on these things, it's going to be huge. The H is hormones, kind of like we talked about, where this is adrenal, thyroids, reproductive, insulin. That's kind of further down here as well. But all these different hormones have a huge impact on the brain. E stands for exclude things like food sensitivities, toxins. There's so many things, so many more things in our environment that we're exposed to today than our ancestors are great grandparents a hundred years ago. They have such a huge, they're all neurotoxins, these things that really impact the brain. And then excluding infections. We think chronic infections like Epstein-Barr virus and again, chronic stuff going on in the gut and a variety of Lyme's disease, lots of different infections that can play a huge role in the brain. Uh, Getting into the zebra, Z for zinc, there are really other minerals. We look at a lot of different minerals, B12 and folate. We'll talk about that in a second as well. But um, it's E is for essential fatty acids and cholesterol. Actually, do you know that too low cholesterol is actually terrible for the brain? Our brain is this big old jelly glob sitting up there in our <laughs> head, and it actually re- requires lots of really good cholesterol. Not to mention cholesterol is the building blocks for all our hormones. So happy, healthy hormones requires healthy cholesterol. And these essential fatty acids, we think about omega-3s, fish oil is uh, really critical. Most of us are really deficient in omega-3s and that triggers a lot of inflammation. So we really think about those. Uh, The next E in zebra is energy. We think about mitochondrial function, kind of touched on that before, but our mitochondria, this is what really powers and fuels every cell in our body. And so if our mitochondria are really slugging along, our brain and our body is really gonna feel that. So there's different things that we'll look at there. The B is B vitamins and other vitamins. We look at magnesium, vitamin D, the B vitamins. Sometimes we, like I said, we'll we'll throw in iodine, zinc, selenium, depending on if we're thinking about thyroid issues or other issues. You know, you know your 
your brain requires actually pretty high doses of vitamin D and zinc for serotonin to be produced properly. Uh, your adrenal glands use a ton of B vitamins and magnesium to work properly. So there's so many things that we can look at to really optimize these body systems. R stands for restore the gut. Again, number one thing, functional medicine, we, we wear it out. The gut, the gut, the gut. Um, working on your microbiome, we know that if you got a yeast overgrowth, that yeast is going to continue to be asking for sugar day in and day out. We got all these cravings and we don't know why. And we're putting all weight, getting bloated, rashes, acne, all kinds of uh, crazy things going on in the body. Let's, let's figure out what's going on in the gut. Again, that also goes on with digestion and absorption. You might be taking vitamin D and all these different vitamins and your levels aren't budging. Maybe we're not absorbing it super great. So we need to work on gut health. The A, amino acids, we talked about the serotonin and dopamine and all these happy, healthy brain neurotransmitters. These things are made of amino acids, which is the building blocks of protein. So again, if you're not absorbing your protein, if maybe if you're vegan or vegetarian, you're not eating a lot of good proteins, uh, we might be really amino acid deficient. Uh, and so that's something we'll look into. And the, the S at the end of zebras is infl stop inflammation. This is really huge. Probably one of the number one things that's coming out in the literature is the amount that inflammation really can cause the brain. The brain inflamed is the brain on fire. And a lot of people experience that as anxiety or depression. So it's really where we see even people who have like autoimmune issues or gut issues or these other things going on, um, that inflammation in the body really impacts the brain really heavy. So quick overview, but a lot of different things uh, that we can look into and really work on optimizing people's brains. So I love the zebras so much. I think that is such a great overview. And I heard Mark Hyman say this first, but that um, depression is not a Lexapro deficiency. And I noticed in your zebras, you didn't talk about Lexapro deficiencies or Zoloft <laughs> deficiencies, um, which I just love that because there's always a reason. And it doesn't mean you don't need medication. There's a lot of the right time for medications, but it's just so interesting. And then the other thing, like ending with the stop inflammation, it's really interesting when we've had some autoimmune patients and I've started them on low dose naltrexone, which we use for immune and inflammatory responses that they come back in and they're like, my anxiety is gone. And it's really cool. I, there's actually some psychiatrists that are now starting to prescribe low dose naltrexone for mood disorders. Um, because it is, it, if your brain's inflamed, it's going to impact its function and its mental health. Um, also, do you know how much the brain waves? weighs like it's weight. I find this 5% of your body mass, right? I think it's only three something, pounds, three pounds. Yeah. Something it's, it's like it's this, so small. I'm like, that is so crazy that this tiny three pound fatty organ controls so much. It just is so mind blowing to me. Yeah. And we really, I think have done a disservice to people of really help, helping people understand the ways that everything else can connects there. Uh, and so uh, I think sometimes people feel really guilty when they're struggling with mental health issues. And I mean, how many people have we seen that it's like, well, I've tried this medication and that medication and this thing and that thing and that thing. And, you know, my psychiatrist put me on, I've tried 15 different things and I maybe feel 20% better. And now I've put on 30 pounds because these medications make me gain weight. I'm just feeling worse. And I think um, a lot of people feel powerless in those situations. So I think this really gives us an opportunity to get people um, that other 60% feeling better, you know, and again. Well, 
And that's what's also fun is like we don't just guess, like we test. Like a lot of these things Kyle mentioned in the zebras, like we concretely check what is your zinc, what is your fatty acid balance, what is your inflammatory markers. And we track success, which is fun. We're not just, you know, guessing that this is the medication you need. We're testing. And we even do genetic testing sometimes if we do need to move medication and we want to figure out how your body may process it. Um, but Kyle, I feel like you and I could talk about mental health for like hours and hours. Uh, we try to keep season two short. Short, but I do want to see, is there anything that you kind of want to end with? Cause we really try and you gave so many tips already, but little by little, little becomes a lot is really our whole foundation on this show. And is there some small things that you want to leave our listeners with on how they can maybe improve their mental health today if they can't do testing? Yes. <laughs> so many small things. The first thing that comes to mind, let, we'll touch on a few different areas. Let's talk sleep. Um, consistency, going to bed at the same time, cutting off the screens, getting the blue light blocker glasses, deep breathing exercises, little things that can play a huge role. Um, I think that deep breathing is a really massive thing that I find myself holding my breath throughout the day. <laughs> and so uh, I'm sure we've all heard of the box breathing, the seven, eight method, breathing in for seven seconds. <sighs> breathe out for eight seconds. Box breathing is you breathe in for four, hold it for four, breathe out for four, exhale finally for four. Any of these things really engage that vagus nerve. This connects the brain through the, vagus means wanderer. It connects through the lungs to the heart. It's got little offshoots into the kidneys as well as the adrenals and the gut. And so this nerve really is the master regulator from our lower body up into our brain. And so when we do deep breathing exercises. It really stimulates that vagus nerve and helps to regulate that sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight or flight. This is our adrenaline and cortisol and this thing that makes us feel wired at night and dead during the day. Um, the more we really engage that system, that's really awesome. So working on the sleep, breathing, vagus nerve. When you're eating, let's try to get three solid meals a day. If you're skipping breakfast and you're binging at lunch and crashing in the afternoon, Let's do a brain building smoothie in the morning with some protein powder, a handful of antioxidant blueberries and some nut butter, a little almond milk, just to really give yourself some healthy fats and protein for your brain to work on in the day. And then movement, you know, re really awesome research that shows that even 90 seconds every 30 minutes, you get up, do some jumping jacks, go for a walk, 90 seconds will dramatically improve blood flow to the brain, increase energy levels, improve insulin and blood sugar, so many different things. So just even little bits of movement once an hour um, is going to be really huge. So tiny, tiny, tiny little things. I think that it's so important to remember those small things because I know for me, it's like I used to go to the gym and work out for an hour, like five to six days a week. And when I couldn't do that, it was like almost, all of a sudden I just wasn't exercising. And then I was like, no, like 10 to 15 minutes, like I can go down to my basement and I was getting sore. Like I was still having effective workouts and it's what I could fit in, in the season of my life. And so while I should get more exercise, these small things you do, consistency is key. So like Kyle said, even 90 seconds, like getting up and doing some jumping jacks and squats, it will make a difference in circulation to your brain and communication from the right and left side of your uh, brain. Mm -hmm. um, so these were all really awesome tips. And this was such a good uh, podcast. And we'll make sure we have you back on for season two, because I know 30 minutes, 20 minutes, it goes so fast. Yeah. But this was wonderful. So thank you so much for being on, Kyle. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. 
Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.